Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Hey man, if you want to pull out, uh, again, your your inside of your bulletin, there's an outline that'll help you follow along uh, with the message today. And we're just going to continue in our summer theme. Uh, how many of you been, have been enjoying this Heart for the House theme over the past several weeks, right? And, you know, we just said we're going to take the summer, the, 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 the summer months, right, uh, which, wow, it's coming to a close pretty quick, right, uh, to just refocus and refresh, right, who we are as a church family, what is our heart for the house. And I just want to uh, very quickly review some things that we've all been getting lately. And again, by you know the end of the next few weeks, we're going to be able to say all of this in our sleep. It's going to be burning in our hearts. But what is Encounter Church? Who are we? How about we take a look at that uh, here on the screen? This is who we are. Encounter Church. How about we read it together again as we have been? Encounter Church is a diverse family gathered around and united by the presence of Jesus, driven to make disciples. That is who we are, right? And, you know, there's one phrase that we hear around here all the time. In fact, we pray it constantly. We say it constantly. Everything we do has this aim, and that is helping people encounter God. We call it our vision, right? It's our vision. Everything we do has one goal, and that's to help people encounter God. And we've been uh, looking again and again and again, right, on how we do this. There's just three, really three words that describe what we do as a church, and they are reach, disciple, and revive, right? And when we say reach, we're talking about what we did yesterday, but not just at an official outreach, but we aim to live our lives to reach all kinds of people and bring them into relationship with God, right? That's what it's all about. The, re- the very reason we even planted Encounter Church, started Encounter Church, wasn't just to try to get people from other churches to join us. No, no, no. What we're here to do is to reach those who don't know Jesus yet and bring them, right? And then disciple. We, our, our passion is to make disciples who make disciples, right? Making disciples of Jesus who make more disciples of Jesus. And we believe that the biblical pattern that we see is that when The church, when the people of God obey Jesus' great commission to go and make disciples, the result is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which most people call that revival, right? So reach, disciple, revive. We believe that as we reach people and we make disciples, we'll see a great revival. And then last week, you know, several weeks in a row, uh, we've been focusing on disciple. Our first week uh, of the summer, we talked about reaching people who are far and near, right? Our heart for the nations and our heart for our city. And then the past few weeks, we've been focusing on discipleship. Last week, we learned a very simple definition of discipleship, right? Because this word disciple and discipleship is a word that's often misused in the church. But a disciple is simply a person who follows Jesus, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you before last week, before last Sunday, if you were here, didn't know that there were more than 12 disciples of Jesus? You don't have to raise your hand. Because I remember talking with some of you that were like, whoa. Everybody thinks disciples and all they think about is the 12 apostles, right? But no, the New Testament, the Gospels talk about many, many crowds of people that followed Jesus all over the place. And they were referred to as his Disciples, right? Uh, A disciple is a person who follows Jesus. And discipleship is simply the process of helping someone else follow Jesus, right? To make disciples is to be a follower of Jesus and then help other people to follow Jesus. And today, for this next message, as we're going to continue to talk about discipleship, I want us to look at John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. John chapter 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said something pretty clear. He said to the people who what? You guys all right? You with me? He said to the people who what? 
Uh-oh, Jesus is already talking to believers, right? He's already talking to people who had seen him and believed in him. And he said, you are truly my disciples if. Uh-oh, we're about to have a qualifying statement here, right? Because if there is true disciples, that means that there can be some, not trying to call anybody a faker, but, you know, there are a lot of people that think that they are disciples of Jesus, but really don't fit this thing that Jesus is about to say. Now, I believe every one of you in here today if you haven't made the decision to be a disciple of Jesus, today is your day. And many of you are following Jesus passionately with your whole heart. But Jesus said you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. <sighs> so, a disciple is someone who believes and obeys Jesus. A disciple is someone who believes and obeys Jesus. And I want to really focus on a word that Jesus said there. He said, can we go back to uh, John 8, 31? You're truly my disciples if you remain. Everybody say remain. remain. What does it mean to remain? Have you ever had a visitor that came to your house and you thought they were just coming for one night, but they remained? <laughs> I've had a couple like that. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm glad when they remain. <laughs> but remain means to keep on, right? And so... True disciples, Jesus says, are not just those who believe and start obeying. True disciples are those who believe and obey. And then they keep on believing and they keep on obeying. And then they keep on believing some more and then they keep on obeying some more. Come on, somebody say, keep on. Keep on. True disciples have to keep on keeping on, right? Now, some of you might be saying, well... I don't know if I'm a disciple then because my obedience isn't yet perfect. Guess what that means? It means you're an imperfect disciple. It means you're a disciple in process. It means you're a disciple in progress, right? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. And Jesus didn't say my true disciples are those who have worked out all their doubts and they have perfect obedience. He said my true disciples... First of all, they believed. He was talking to people who already believed. But my true disciples are the ones who remain with me. Not ones who just start following me and then something causes them to, to give up. No, true disciples are the ones who start following and keep following. Who start believing and keep believing. Who start obeying and keep on obeying. That's what it means to be a true disciple. And I just want to encourage somebody this morning. Maybe you're discouraged in your walk with Christ, in your life of discipleship. I want to tell you something this morning. In fact, I want you to tell somebody else if that's all right. Would you turn to somebody and tell them, keep on. If you've been considering whether you should keep on with this Jesus thing or not, whether you should keep on praying, keep on reading your Bible, keep on going to church, keep on in this whole life of discipleship, keep on. Because Jesus said that's what it means to be a disciple. I don't know when you're going to arrive because I haven't yet. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'm going to keep on and then I'm going to keep on some more. And I believe today and I'm going to believe tomorrow and I believe 10 years from now and I'm going to believe until the day I go to be with him forever and ever. I'm going to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. That's what makes a true disciple. And Jesus <sighs> talked about several perks. Perks, all right? So today the, the title of this specific message is Discipleship Perks. Everybody say Discipleship Perks. Come on, let's call them D-perks. D -perks. These are D-perks. 
Now turn to somebody else. And now don't you turn to somebody else? All right, tell them these are the perks. All right. Now you're finally all awake and here and ready to go. All right. What are perks? What are perks? It's like special privileges, right? Like I have an app on my phone for Dunkin' Donuts. Woo, all right. And, and, and it's funny. I, <laughs> see, somebody has D-Perks. All right. Actually, the app is called D-D-Perks, but you get the picture. Perks are special privileges or, that are only for those that have that app, right? And in reality, God loves everyone. He loves the one who hates him. He loves those that are farthest from him and don't want anything to do with him yet. Right? The Bible says God causes it to rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. And we experienced that yesterday very, very much here. If you live in Kennesaw, you experienced the blessing of rain yesterday in abundance. But what does that mean when it says the Bible says stuff sometimes that you got to think about? If he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, there are some blessings that are for everybody, right? Because God is just good. And, and, and everybody, those who love him wholeheartedly and those who want nothing to do with him, everybody gets some sort of blessing from God just because God's a blesser. But there are some perks, there are some special privileges that are reserved only for true disciples. Come on, tell somebody, you got to have the app. <laughs> Except it's not an app. <laughs> it's a decision. And it's a lifestyle. The first two perks we're going to take here from John chapter 8. And just to help you be a little quicker with it, if you want to go ahead and fill out number one and two there, is knowing the truth or know the truth. And the second one is total freedom. Know the truth and total freedom. Freedom. See, some people, a lot of times we get this mixed up. Um, a lot of people think I'm not even really a disciple yet unless I understood this thing. Unless I get the truth yet. Or unless I'm already, you know, I know people that think, well, I can't really start following Jesus because I still got stuff. I'm not totally free from yet. And so they hold back from the great potential of a life of a disciple because they think they can't be one yet. But in reality, Jesus said, first, you got to believe and keep on following after me and then you'll know the truth and then that truth will make you free. See, I don't first understand all the truth and I get free from all my stuff so that I can finally be a disciple of Jesus. I start believing and following. And as I keep believing and following, as I keep on believing and obeying, then I come to know the truth. And as I come to know the truth, the truth sets me free progressively. Right? So the first one is know the truth. The first perk of being a disciple of Jesus is we get to know the truth. Have you ever said or thought, I'll obey once I understand? You read something in the Bible or you hear something at church or in your e-group or some other Christian in your life and shows you what the word says about something and you're like, I don't really get it. But once I get it, then I'll obey. It doesn't work like that. Have any of you ever experienced that it doesn't work like that? <laughs> See, I believe and obey first, and as I believe and obey, then I get to know the truth, Jesus says. Many times we don't understand until we do obey. I'll let that one sink in for just a second. Sometimes we lack understanding of the truth because we're waiting to understand, to act on it. But 
most loving news flash for you, okay? The truth is the truth even before you understand it's the truth. See, there are truths that I know today but that I didn't know before, but even before I knew them, they were already the truth. And many times we don't get a hold of the truth until we're already practicing it. And see, that's what faith in Jesus is like. I know he went to the cross for me. He died for me. He paid the price for me. He's the savior. He's the redeemer. So I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. And as I do, all of a sudden, wow, I get to know the truth. Now, what would you call discovering a truth as you do it rather than waiting on knowing the truth to do it? Okay, let me give you an example that let's just all agree, even if you don't agree, okay? Let's just, let's just all agree that Chick-fil-A is delicious. Or carne asada tacos are delicious. Some of you still don't seem convinced. Let's all agree that coffee is delicious. I think I got about 90% of the people so far. Let's agree that chocolate ice cream is delicious. Y'all are hard. <laughs> okay, think of something that's delicious. Yeah? Think of something that's delicious to you. Whew. I'm ready to go to lunch already. Now, there was a time before you, there was a time when you had not yet eaten that. Was it already delicious even though you hadn't tried it yet? It was. How did you experience la delicia, right? The deliciousness of that thing that was already delicious, but you didn't know it was delicious yet because you hadn't tried it yet. How did you uh, discover how delicious a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A was? The day you finally went through that line and they served you in under two seconds, right? A hot, delicious chicken sandwich and you bit into that thing and you're like, I've discovered the truth. That's called experiential truth. See, there's a difference between head knowledge and experiential truth. And unfortunately, there are a lot of religious people who have a bunch of stuff up here that they say is true, but they've never experienced it. So they don't know the truth. They you, you can think things are true, but have never experienced it before. And that's not the kind of truth Jesus was talking about. Jesus wasn't talking about doctrine. Jesus wasn't talking about just getting everything right up here, right? He was talking about experiencing the reality of truth in our life. And that is an amazing perk that only disciples of Jesus can experience in their life. The only way to truly know God's truth, that what he says is true, that who he is is true, that what he says about you is true, that what he says about life is true, is to actually see what he says, act on it, and as you act on it, you take a bite of that ju delicious juicy sandwich and you realize it was true. Don't believe me when I say what is the truth. Only. Act on it. Try it. The Bible says taste and see, right? Try it. God's not intimidated by you. Try it. What he says is true. And if you try it, you'll discover that it is. Okay? So... We get to know the truth as we get to know Jesus. 
We get to know the truth as we get to know him. See, John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, truth is a person. Truth isn't just ideas. And as I follow and obey Jesus, I get to know Jesus. And as I get to know Jesus more and more, I get to know the truth. It becomes something way more than knowledge. It becomes a relationship with the truth. John 16, 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. I love this because as followers of Jesus, we have access to the truth about everything all the time. What a great perk, right? It comes through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to share with you just personally. This is something I probably pray, if not every day, almost every day, right? Because we're supposed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. But almost every day, I'm faced with a situation, a circumstance, where I'm just not sure. Anybody else? And I'll literally stop and pray like this. Spirit of truth, show me the truth. Show me the truth about this. You can know the truth, but it comes from a relationship with the spirit of truth. That leads us to what the truth does, which is the second perk of being a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus said that knowing the truth leads us into freedom, right? Knowing the truth leads us into freedom. Satan binds us up through lies, and Jesus sets us free through the truth. Why was he telling his disciples, you'll be set free? Why was he telling them? Because they needed some freedom, right? Because as we live in this world, we get deceived and we get bound up in all kinds of stuff. Because Satan is a liar. Our enemy is a liar. And everything he does, he does it through lying to us. And every time we bite one of those lies... Every time we buy into one of those lies, whether it's something Satan says about God, about myself, about life, about people, about whatever lie I buy into is like a chain that binds me up. And so Jesus comes and he confronts those lies that bind us up with his truth as we follow him. And as we begin to discover the truth, the chains of bondage are broken and we experience freedom. True freedom is a perk that only disciples of Jesus can experience. And you know, and I was thinking this past week of somebody whose life is an example of this. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little bit of help to, to preach point number two. Is that okay? Are you sure? Um, this young man, I watched this process happen in him. Bound up, started following Jesus, started obeying, made plenty of mistakes, but guess what? Kept on following, kept on believing, kept on in obeying, and I've watched him discover the truth and freedom come to his life. So, uh, and now he's actually the director of our start class. So everybody give Kwame Page uh, a welcome. Hello, how's everybody doing? So I'm going to talk to you how uh, the enemy bound me up and how Jesus freed me. And I learned early on that the enemy is here to still kill and destroy. And in that, I realized that he knows everything about us. And I, I think I didn't realize that, like, the enemy, I know Jesus was there, of course, he's been there, but the enemy is there too. And he learned, he knows everything about us. And from the very beginning, I was, like, thinking how, the enemy takes little things. He sees the people that hurts you. He sees the people that annoy you. He sees the people that frustrate you. He sees what makes you mad. He sees all these things. And so in my life, he knew that from kindergarten all the way through 10th grade, I, I moved to a different school every one of those years. So in those times, he knew that I was not, I didn't really want to get close to people. He knew that I didn't really want to 
befriend people because if I did, then over time I'm gonna have to go to another school and I have to go, go through the whole sadness and all that. And I just didn't want to deal with that. And the enemy knew that. He also knew that a lot of people hurt me in those times of going to a different school, trying to get used to a different culture every single year. And he also knew that there was no dad around. So he knew, okay, I got all these things against, against Kwame. So I know, I'm gonna, I know what to do. And so what his plan was to do was to get me in my room and for me to lock my door to the world. And I mean literally and also, you know, figuratively. But so he had me, I locked my door and in my room, I didn't have to worry about what other people thought of me. I didn't have to worry about the fear of man that was so deep in my heart. I didn't have to worry about people uh, saying negative things towards me or any of that. I could just, you know, hi, bye to everybody. And so when I was in that room, this is when deception started coming in. Started coming in that room because we know when we're not communicating, when we're not talking with other people, there's nothing that's going in. It's just your mind creating all kinds of things. And so in that room, so much deception started happening. One of the things that he deceived me with is believing that pornography was okay. He really made me think that this is normal. This is like what everybody, all the young men are doing this. Like, it's okay. Don't worry. You're not hurting anybody. You don't have any, you're not going to have any kids. Nothing. You don't have to worry about any of that. Okay, so that's one deception. Another one was uh, because I wasn't talking to people and I wasn't, I didn't have any friends. Because of that, I started getting depressed because we have to communicate with people. That's where we're made to do that. And so I started getting depressed and feeling really down and low all the time. But I, I wore a, a smile and a lot of my early encounter. The New Mexico crew really saw that fake smile all the time. <laughs> But in an, in another thing is that I didn't want to get close to people. So in that room, I have all these things that I'm trapped in. And then I had this gaping hole in my heart that I felt like I needed to fill. So I was like, okay, I need to get a girlfriend. That's, that probably will fill me. That will probably make me feel better. A sexual relationship will probably help me. And that didn't help. <laughs> and so I'm in this room locked away. And I remember um, in the back of my mind, I always had this thought of, I wonder if God is real. I just want to know. And I always had that thought in my head. Is God real? Is he really the savior of the world? Does he really know me? Like my grandma used to say and my mom talked about before. And so what happened is I actually prayed. I prayed for, I was like, God, can you send me a spiritual father that will guide me and that will help me to, so that I can make my own decision if, if this was right or wrong. Because one of the things that he also deceived me with was thinking in that room, I can make my own decisions. I can decide what was good and what was bad. I, I, he tricked me into believing that, like, that's being your own God. Like, I'm my own God, and I can choose what's right and wrong. So that's another thing he ended up deceiving me with. But a few months later after I prayed that, I'm just going to let you know I was really ignorant back then, so excuse this this comment I'm about to say, but when I prayed this in a very immature, when I prayed this, I imagined that God was going to send me this like tall black guy to, I mean, like 250 buff, you know, really low, really low voice like this, you know, and I, about seven foot two, you know, this is what I imagined in my head. Like I said, I was immature. And so I was kind of looking for that person, you know, just like, is that, no, 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 oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> and I never would have imagined. <laughs> I never would have imagined that the spiritual guidance that I would get would come from a short white man named Hunter. <laughs> and his lovely Hispanic wife, Liz. And the little mixed babies. But I, I later realized that he did that probably to catch my attention because I don't know if I would have really paid attention if it was what I imagined. I think I would have I read into the wrong things. And so I think he did that on purpose to be like, hey, this is God. There's no way this would normally happen. This is God. <laughs> and so in this relationship that we started to form, they really started pouring into me and spending time with me and I started opening up more 
And I remember being in that room still and still being kind of locked away, but I was getting so tired of being locked up. I was getting so tired of my chains. And, and it, I think I got so used to having chains that the enemy kind of just like stopped. He didn't even have to do anything because I was carrying my own chains. I was happy with my chains and I was just holding on to them. And I remember the day that I started opening that door and Who's out that, outside of the door? It was Hunter. It was Liz. It was RJ. It was the whole New Mexican crew that came over, and they were, they were encouraging me. They were like, come on. Come out. Come out. And they weren't bringing me towards themselves. They were pointing me towards Jesus, and they were saying, come on. I know you, there's freedom out here. That's not freedom. The enemy has deceived you into believing that that is freedom. This is freedom. Knowing who Jesus is is freedom. And when I took my first step out, I started feeling freedom. I, I remember I was like, this pornography thing, this is, this is an addiction. I got to stop sugarcoating it. It's an addiction. And I had to get myself out of, of, of situations where that could be a temptation. So I stopped closing my door. I started opening my door so that people had to walk by. And there's no way I can hide anything in that moment. But the girlfriend that I had at that time, I, I, I had to cut off all ties. I, I stopped talking to her. I, stopped, I even stopped talking to friends that we had mutually. I, I did whatever it took. I ran from that sin. And then also, because I'm, I was hanging out with uh, all the I keep saying the New Mexican crew, but I was hanging, the encounter people, I was hanging out with everybody. And so now that depression that the enemy had me under was starting to fall off. And so I started taking steps forward. And as I took steps forward in obedience, I started understanding the truth because it says the truth will set you free. But we always forget the, the part right before it. And that's remaining and that's continuing and moving and taking steps. And sometimes I think that some people are in their room still, and they have the door open, and they're just observing, and they're being a part of what's going on. They're seeing church, and they go to church every now and then, and they see things, and, but they're still in their room, and they're still with those chains, and they think that they have freedom. And I, and I just pray that everybody, that if you feel like there's some chains that you're still holding on to, just really just take those steps of obedience. And as, those, as you do it, as you start seeking the truth, and the truth that he taught me in this, in this was, I am a child of God. He also taught me that I'm the apple of my father's eye, which, I mean, that, I needed that. I needed that affirmation. And he also taught me that who the son says free is free indeed. And, and that's what I truly believe, that I'm free because I believed and also stepped in that, that truth. Think we might have a preacher on our hands, huh? Come on. <laughs> so this is something that I, I, I wrote down that it, it, it's been a big deal to me in my life. And I know uh, that Kwame can attest to this and many others that freedom isn't doing what I want. Because that's what most people think freedom is. Freedom is that I get to do whatever I want. Real freedom is doing what I was made for. Right? Real freedom. I, we always go to the same example, a train in the tracks, Right? If a train says, I'm, if I'm truly free, I can just, you know, blow on over wherever I want to. But you know that that's going to be a what? A wreck, right? A disaster. And how many of us made a train wreck of our lives just by doing whatever we wanted? Come on now. A train is truly free when it's on its tracks, when it's where it was made to be, right? And we were created by God to be in relationship with God and to obey God. And as we live in relationship with God and we obey God, we discover the truth. And that truth sets us free. And Kwame uh, quoted this, but this is John 8, 36 there. Just so you have the scripture, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Truly free. Not fakely free, not halfway free, but really truly free. All right? Now, knowing the truth and freedom are two amazing perks. Let me give you three other, uh, other ones really quickly, all right? Those were the, the big heavy ones. Here's three other ones that are, are just as amazing, but they can only happen once you get the first two. Ready? Number three, third perk is the inside scoop. You get to get the inside scoop, right? 
And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 8, he had been uh, teaching a big crowd about a farmer who went out and he scattered seed and he talked about some seed fell on a footpath and it got trampled and some other seed fell on hard ground and it didn't get roots and some seed fell into thorns and other seed fell on fertile soil. And so he's telling all of this and then he finishes his teaching with the crowd. And then it says, Luke, um, uh, uh, here in verse 9, then his who? Disciples ask him what this parable meant, okay? It wasn't the crowd. It was after he had finished with the crowd. Because remember, God wants to, to share his word with everybody, right? He wants his blessings to be shared with everybody. But the perks are for the ones that follow and obey. So he's over here on the side talking to his disciples. And he replied, you. Now turn to somebody and say, you. All right. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others. See, discipleship positions us for revelation. Discipleship positions us for revelation. What is revelation? Revelation. Do the same example every time. So I'm sorry, but here you go. Revelation means that there's something hidden. And then all of a sudden, revelation. (laughs) Altoids were the revelation. You really want me to use these before I lay hands on you and pray in the altar. That's why they're always on my pulpit. All right. Something hidden, something secret. Ta-da! Revelation. That's what the word revelation actually means. That something that was hidden gets discovered. Something that was secret is made known to you. It's the inside scoop. It's not just superficial knowledge because everybody can have superficial knowledge, right? But he wants to help us understand. He wants to reveal the secrets, right? He wants to reveal the secrets. He doesn't want the secrets to remain secrets. He wants you and me to know him. I think of one guy who had an extra inside scoop, okay? The disciples, all they all had the inside scoop. They, Jesus would, after teaching, not just this time, but he would always go on the side and he would explain things to his disciples. He would answer their questions, right? But there was one who, for some reason, he thought he was the Jesus BFF, right? He thought, whether it's true or not isn't clear, But he thought, he was sure that he was the one that was most loved. Does does anybody know his name? John. And so there's this one time that they're having their last supper deal and they're all sitting around and Jesus is already like, one of you is going to betray me. And I don't know. Come here, Caleb. This is going to look funny, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I don't know exactly how they were sitting, but they were all, I know that they sat on the ground And uh, yeah, Indian style. All right. Um, Around the meal, and they would sit in like a circle, and they would partake of the food, you know, kind of from the the middle. And 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 Caleb is Jesus. Okay, so so John, Jesus had just said, well, first of all, it said John was like this, or. I don't know how, but he was sitting real close to Jesus, okay? And Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me. And so here's the other disciples. Ask him. Right? Like, they didn't, for some reason, they didn't have the boldness to just flat out ask him, but they knew John would. So they're like, I don't know, ask him, you know? And so John snuggles right on up. Who is it, Jesus? Thank you. You can know as much as you want. But there's a key. It's closeness and intimacy with Jesus. Closeness and intimacy with Jesus. Have you ever met anybody like that? That they're just like, gosh, 
That person just seems extra close and confident with God. You can be that too. See, Jesus doesn't call John the beloved. John calls himself the beloved. He made a decision at some point. I'm going to be so close to Jesus, I can ask him secrets. And you can be that close too. He wants to give you the inside scoop, right? Number four, the fourth perk is a special purpose. A special purpose, right? God created everything with purpose, but his disciples have an extra special purpose. John 15, uh, we're going to read verse 5 and verse 8. And you can go back and read the whole chapter if you want because it's wonderful. But Jesus said, yes, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Those who remain, there's that word again, who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's something to staying close to Jesus. He, ta- he talked about it being like connected to the vine, right? There's something powerful about staying close to Jesus. Uh, that verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. Hmm. There's a special purpose for true disciples. It says this brings glory, great glory to my father. Listen, I don't know about you. I, wanna not, I don't want to just bring glory to the father. I want to bring great glory. Why doesn't it just say glory? Because there are a lot of things that bring glory to God, right? The stars in the heavens, every night they shine and they bring glory to God. The trees, the mountains, the oceans, the sun, all of the cosmos bring glory to God. But there is one thing that brings great glory to God. And and Jesus said it's fruit that will produce fruit. And the word produce fruit literally is the word. Are you okay? You ready? Reproduce. Uh Uh-oh. Some of y'all need to go have some babies. But that's not what he was talking about, even though they can be a part of this. <laughs> when you produce much fruit, literal translation, literal words, when you reproduce this fruit that is you, you bring God the Father great glory. Wow. John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you, like, there's your purpose, there's a special purpose. I've appointed you for this, to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Come on, somebody, you were chosen and appointed to multiply. We were chosen and appointed to multiply. See, true disciples that bring great glory to God produce this great glory by making more disciples. Great glory comes to God from someone who reproduces themselves or their relationship with God in somebody else. Now, let me just to finish this because I've, I've heard this explained differently and explained away the reality of what it means. I've heard people say he's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is not what he's talking about, okay? In fact, the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit isn't mentioned until much later in the epistles. Jesus wasn't talking about if you remain connected to me, you're going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is a given. If you have the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to Your life's going to show it, the the fruit. But Jesus' literal words there were you're going to reproduce yourself. Like you're like a fruit tree, like a vine, like he said, right? What does, this is important, what does a grapevine produce? Yes, grapes, but take it a step further. More vines. More vines. It's not just more grapes, it's more grape vines. What does an apple tree produce? Eventually more apple trees because every apple contains seed that makes more trees. Yeah? So when Jesus says, great glory will come to the Father 
when you produce much fruit, right? When this branch that's connected to that vine and the fruit of my life, the, the grapes, if you will, okay, that contain all that seed, then all of a sudden my life gets scattered out there and it produces more grapevines. When I live my life as a true disciple and I share that with other people, when I go and I obey what Jesus said to do, when I share the gospel, when I share the good news with other people, when I go and I make more disciples, what happens is that more disciples get reproduced. Question. Who was created in the image of God? The sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean, the mountains, dogs, cats, snakes. He made them. Mosquitoes. Hold on. Worship songs. Church services. Religious activities. Was any of that created in the image of God? No. The Bible says you and I were created in the image of God. His glory is literally impressed upon us as the height, as the spectacle, the master artwork of his creation, right? That's why when we reproduce more disciples, God gets the greatest glory. See, A wonderful worship song brings God glory because it helps us glorify God. But let me tell you something more powerful than a wonderful worship song. A wonderful worshiper. A teacher of the word of God can bring glory to God because we teachers and preachers, we help you glorify God with your life. But what would bring even greater glory than a teacher or teaching of the word of God? Another teacher of the word of God, right? See, the greatest glory God could ever get is more and more and more and more people following after Jesus. That's how the, that is his plan and his intention to cover as the waters cover the sea, so shall the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. It's going to be filled. The whole earth, every nation on earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God because disciples are reproducing and going out and reproducing more and more. And the final perk. John 15, 14. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if... You do what I command. I no longer call you slaves, but because a master doesn't confide in his slaves, you're my, now you're my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father told me. Discipleship leads to friendship with the friend of all friends. Friendship with Jesus. There's no greater goal. There's no greater prize. There should be no greater pursuit in my life, nor in yours, than to be an intimate friend of King Jesus. And he qualified his friends, sorry, he qualified his disciples as his friends. See, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to end with this. Jesus loved everybody, but not everybody was Jesus' friend. He was a friend to sinners, remember? In fact, religious people got mad with Jesus because he befriended sinners. And some of those same very sinners followed Jesus. Their lives were radically turned around. They obeyed him. And some of those same sinners ended up becoming his friends. See, Jesus...
befriends everyone, but not everyone becomes a friend of Jesus. That requires discipleship. That requires me to believe and obey and then remain. Keep on believing and obeying and believing and obeying from here till kingdom come. We get to be his friends. You can stand up if you will. Discipleship is following Jesus. It doesn't mean you've got it down. It doesn't mean you've understood everything. It doesn't even mean your obedience has become perfect yet. It means you've believed and you are obeying him. And you're going to keep on believing and you're going to keep on obeying, obeying. And you're going to keep on believing and you're going to keep on obeying. You are his disciple. And he wants, as you continue to believe and obey, as you continue in a committed relationship with him, he's going to show you the truth. And as you get to know the truth more and more, He's going to make you free and you're going to experience greater freedom and greater freedom and greater freedom. He's going to give you the inside scoop. He's going to tell you the secrets the closer you get to Him. You're not just going to know Him a little bit. You're going to know Him intimately. He's going to use you. Imperfect you. Sometimes fearful you, that I'm too young, you, that I'm too old, you, that I'm brand new at this, you, that I've lost touch with the world, you. He's going to use each and every one of us as we follow after him to somehow bring other disciples. Because that is our purpose, to bring other people into relationship with Jesus. And as you do, as you follow after him, you're going to experience the greatest perk of all is that friendship. Friendship with the one who loves you with the most perfect love. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.